0: Good morning! Hopefully many of you will recognize me as a familiar face up here today, but for those who may be new or visiting, I'm Jordan Greer. I'm the pastoral intern here, and I've been invited to share the Word of God with you this morning. This fall, we are blessed with a variety of different voices through our series on listening And as I was praying and listening to what passage the Holy Spirit might have me preach today, I was reminded of some of the last words Jesus spoke to us before his ascension. After his resurrection, Jesus meets his disciples in Galilee, and seeing the risen Jesus, these disciples fell down and worshipped him, and yet some of them still doubted. And Jesus responds both to this worship and to this doubt with this phrase, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so Jesus affirms the people who worshiped him that what they are doing is good and correct. He is the risen king. And the same statement is also for those who doubted. He reassures them that yes, he is the risen king. And he puts their doubts to rest by reassuring them of his ultimate and universal authority. I'm going to read for us the last five verses of Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This text is known as the Great Commission, And Jesus is commissioning us, or instructing or commanding us to go and make disciples of all nations. And this seems like an impossible task, especially to the 11 guys Jesus is talking to on that mountain. They must have been thinking they couldn't even make disciples of all of Rome, let alone every nation in the world. And they were right. They absolutely could not make disciples of all nations on their own. But Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So it is through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us He will bear witness about Jesus through us. And it's only by his work and power that we can make disciples of all nations. So through this monumental task, Jesus gives us two guarantees. And without these two, the rest of the passage is impossible. The first one is that all authority has been given to Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus has authority over your marriage, over your singleness, over your suffering, your finances? Jesus has authority over all of that this morning. And as followers of Jesus, we have willingly submitted to that authority because we know and trust that he is good. And out of all of the things Jesus could have required of us with the universal authority, he gives us one task before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who split the Red Sea, who saved Daniel from the lion's den, who walked on water, the one with all authority, commands us one thing, Therefore, go and make disciples. And before we move on, we need to pay attention to that one word at the beginning of verse 19, therefore. Now we know when the word of God says therefore, it is there for a reason. And Jesus is saying, because I have all authority, you can go and make disciples. And we can't miss this because we need to know that we are being sent out with this authority and the power of Jesus through us. This is Jesus putting his stamp of approval and authorization on discipleship. Actually, the word disciple occurs 261 times in the Gospels and Acts alone. Do you think this is something Jesus cares about? I do. He not only commands it of us, but he also throws all of his authority and his resources behind it. And I think this is something he believes in. We are being sent out in the authority and in the power of Jesus Christ. Next, we see the word go. And did you know that while we love this word go, that it isn't the main verb in the passage? I think sometimes we enlarge the font of go so much that we miss the next three words of what Jesus says. And make disciples. And yes, making disciples of all nations does require many people to leave their homelands. But Jesus' main focus remains on the task of all believers to make disciples wherever you find yourself. If your feet are planted in Macedonia, make disciples in Macedonia. If you are called to serve the Lord in Florida, make disciples in Florida. And if you are here in Wichita, Kansas, go into your neighborhood and make disciples here. Jesus authorizes and commands us to be discipled and make disciples. But what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Being a disciple of Jesus means faithfully knowing and then living out what Jesus taught. Jesus' disciples know him and live out what he taught. In the first century, a disciple did not enroll with such and such a school like Harvard or something. They would actually enroll with such and such a teacher or rabbi. And so Jesus, living in this deeply religious culture, that highly valued biblical understanding, rabbis were greatly respected, and so it was a high honor to be discipled by a famous rabbi. And so these rabbis were not only expected to have a vast knowledge of the Bible, but to show, through their exemplary lives, how to live by the scriptures. A disciple's goal was to gain the rabbi's knowledge, yes, but even more importantly, to become like him in character. And in order for us to become like Jesus, we must get to know Jesus and what he taught. And we get to know Jesus like we get to know anyone in this room. We ask him questions, we spend time with him, we share our life stories with him, and we do this through the incredible privilege of prayer. And we also do this through being immersed in the presence of Jesus. This commission also reminds us of the command of baptism and God's promise to bless his people through this sacrament. You can see the baptismal font up here for the 11 o'clock service. Baptism is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace of our suffering in—sorry, not our suffering—our ingrafting into Christ. It's a reminder of Christ's suffering in our need to yield to God through Jesus Christ. And as he was raised, to be raised and to walk in newness of life. And it is a mark of every disciple of Jesus. And so when talking about baptism, Dallas Willard says— Immerse them together in the presence of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, baptize them in the name, but dear friends, that doesn't mean just getting them in water or covering them with water while you say those names. It means to immerse them into the reality. So part of being a disciple of Jesus does mean being baptized by water. But the other side of baptism looks like being immersed into the presence of Jesus in an ongoing pursuit. If you have not been baptized or someone you know hasn't and they are interested, I encourage you to contact Jenny Garrett. And we would love to encourage you and walk with you through this important step of discipleship. Secondly, Jesus' disciples live out what He taught. And let's be clear here: you have to know what Jesus said in order to live it out. And so what did He teach us? We have it in our Bibles. John 8:31 says, "If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples." What does that mean? Hold to my teaching? It means getting to know Jesus through prayer and through reading the word of God and then doing what it says, doing what Jesus says. See, Jesus is not interested in just information for information's sake. Jesus is concerned with a way of life. Throughout this gospel, Jesus continually urges his followers to live in a manner pleasing to God, not just to know what is pleasing to God. So believing isn't just knowledge, but living out the knowledge you proclaim is true. And this begins by trusting that what Jesus teaches is true and worthy of being put into practice. That is faith in Jesus. And Jesus' disciples know him and live out what he taught. Matthew shares the idea of discipleship 72 times in his gospel. And he shares the general Jewish impulse to view true religion as involving a way of life and not simply a pattern of beliefs. Being a disciple is a lifestyle of knowing Jesus and living out what he taught. Earlier we read John 8:31 which says if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. But the very next verse in verse 32 says then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And who is truth? John 14:6 tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so when you know, experience and interact with Jesus, Jesus sets you free. So we know that Jesus has commanded us to be discipled and make disciples. And we kind of have an understanding now of what it means to be a disciple. So what does it mean to make disciples? Verse 20 says, In teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Making disciples of Jesus means teaching others to obey Jesus. And the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can make disciples. We have the privilege of partnering with him in this work by instructing others how to be discipled through the testimony of our lives being transformed by Jesus— In 1 Corinthians, Paul exhorts the believers to imitate him, to be reminded of my ways in Christ. And again, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says, Be imitators of me, as I also am of Christ. So we introduce them to Christ by sharing our lives with them. We don't just tell others to obey. We actually show them how we do it. We can teach people how to be with Jesus through the Word, how we be, how we sit with Jesus through prayer, and honestly through every activity of our lives. And therefore, discipleship goes beyond the realm of information into the realm of formation. And one of the most powerful ways I've seen this is through people studying the Word of God together. And can I just say really quick, that you do not need a Bible degree or a seminary training to disciple someone. Making disciples isn't teaching them every passage of Scripture, but it is teaching them how to read Scripture for themselves and how to hear the voice of God in Scripture and to show them by example what it means to live with Jesus now and to lead others into life abundantly. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be imitators of me, as I also am of Christ. Making disciples of Jesus means teaching others to obey Jesus. The New Testament stresses that the way we teach others is by example. And Paul reminds us of the example strategy in First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5-7. And that says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Those who have been discipled naturally disciple others. In the New Testament, we hear of Barnabas taking Paul, Paul who was then Saul, being transformed, his name and everything, into Paul, under his wing— And Barnabas showed Paul what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples simply by inviting him along on his journeys. Then later in the story, we see Paul do this same thing with Timothy. And so he disciples him by inviting him to join him on his trips. And then eventually, Timothy becomes the pastor of a church and begins teaching and discipling others who begin to disciple others. You get the idea, those who have been discipled naturally disciple others. Fritz Chrysler, the world-famous violinist, earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions, and he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an incredible violin in one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. And later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller, hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it had been sold to a collector. And Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home and offered to buy the violin. But the collector said it had become his prized possession and he would not sell it. Disappointed, Chrysler was about to leave When he had an idea, could I play the instrument once more before it is consigned to silence? Permission was granted, and the great violin filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. As a disciple of Jesus, we carry this treasure in jars of clay. And the greatest gift we can give others is sharing the treasure of Jesus Christ with them through the example of our lives. Those who have been discipled naturally disciple others. And making disciples of Jesus means teaching them to obey Jesus. And so the question naturally arises how can we possibly do this? Because in verse 20, Jesus promises to be with us. And what he asks is a big task. And to think that we can use our own strength and talent to muscle our way through discipleship is a mistake. The reason Jesus even asks us to join him in this glorious task is because he promises us two things. And the first we talked about, which was his authority that he's sending us out with, and the second is his presence with us. Verse 20 says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus doesn't leave us on our own. And he gives the disciples this great commission. He knows that he is about to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And he knows that what the disciples need is reassurance that even though he is leaving them, that his presence will still be with them. They need to know that they won't be left alone. And Jesus reassures them that his presence will be with them long after he ascends to the Father. And that same presence is with us today in this room. Jesus is with you today in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this command and this promise wasn't just for the disciples on that mountain 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, I am with you to the very end of the age. John Piper writes, if the promise is to the end of the age, then the command is to the end of the age. That means that the task and the promise are in place until Jesus comes back. They are for us today as well. And so, yes, Jesus has called you to a massive task. But he's also promising to be with you every step of the way, empowering you. Jesus promises to be with us. And so how can you become involved in discipleship here at Eastminster? What is the approach to transformative discipleship? Based on research, discipleship is best done in what are called micro-expressions or discipleship partners. This is when a leader disciples one to three others. And this kind of discipleship invites visibility, intentionality, godly habits, transformation, and lifetime learning. And so the content of this discipleship involves learning how to sit with God in His Word daily— and hear God speak. Discipleship is developing faithful followers of Christ so that we, as Colossians 1.28 says, may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We have created an easy path for you to get connected with someone who can disciple you. We see this maturity already happening through grow groups and our Sunday school classes, and it's exciting. And I believe that we can also benefit from a more traditional form of discipleship. Tangibly, my first-year goal is to see 10 people faithfully commit to being discipled. This promotes one of the marks of discipleship at Eastminster. I connect daily with Jesus in word and prayer. And so we've set up an on-ramp for you to be discipled, Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, whether you are seven or 77 and you haven't been discipled, now is the time for you to be discipled so that you can be empowered to make disciples. And so what this commitment looks like through this Discipleship Partners is meeting with your discipler for 12 months, meeting for one hour each week or as often as you're able. I know schedules kind of get crazy— as well as agreeing to spend time alone reading the Word of God, journaling what you've heard the Spirit speak, and praying. And all of this is just a minimum of 15 minutes a day. And then the last commitment for this is that you will lead someone else for 12 months after. And you may be asking why that's part of the commitment. In 2 Timothy 2 2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Those who have been discipled naturally disciple others. And if you're curious what your discipler has committed to, here it is. They've agreed to meet one hour a week with you for a year or whatever the schedule allows. And this can be golfing, this can be going for coffee, this can be taking trips together, um, coming over to your house for dinner. It doesn't have to just be the same thing week in and week out. It's just doing life together. And secondly, they've agreed to also spend 15 minutes a day in scripture or prayer or journaling. So if you would like to be discipled, please let us know by noting discipleship dash your name in the comment or the prayer section on your connect card. Whether that's the digital connect card or the paper one, just write down discipleship dash your name in the prayer request box. And I know that sometimes discipleship can be, um, like you would have a lot of preferences for it. And so if you want to say like, oh, I'd really like a female or a male or somebody who's married with kids because I'm married with kids or somebody who's single or somebody who doesn't have kids or whatever it is, just write your preferences and we'll do our best to make that happen. And I know your lives are busy and I, I understand that. But I encourage you to not neglect the one task Jesus gave us before he ascended. Jesus commands us to therefore go and make disciples, And he places his stamp of authorization and approval on discipleship. And so yes, he has called you to this massive task, but he's also promised to be with you and empower you every step of the way. And it is with him and by him and for him that you can go and make disciples. And the first step is being discipled yourself. Your king, your master, Your Savior and your friend is telling you to go and be discipled and make disciples, and he's promising to be with you every moment of it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your presence that you have promised to be with us forever. Thank you, Lord, for your heart, for your people, that your desire is to dwell among your people We thank you for that, God, and we thank you for the amazing work of the cross and of the resurrection, that this good news is something you have given us to share with others and to show others through our lives. Thank you, God, that you have entrusted us this amazing task that you've also not left us alone to do. I pray, Father, that you would encourage us that you would strengthen us and empower us to do all that you ask for your honor and for your glory, Lord, and for your kingdom. It is in your mighty name we pray. Amen.